1: Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
2: What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305.
0: This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is my Rams rehash the day after. Had some time to let things soak in. Let let some stats ferment to the surface. And I'm going to share some with you And the final segment on this episode. We're going to take a look at the Pac-12, specifically the incredible quarterback situation in the Pac-12 in their final year. Pretty incredible the number of great quarterbacks they have. That will be moving on to the NFL, several of them pretty high in the draft, I suspect. And we will get to our loop around the league, hopefully as early as tomorrow. One thing I missed yesterday in my uh, summary of the game, Ram inactives. Always interesting to see who was inactive for these games. The Rams inactives were Deshaun Johnson, two offensive linemen, Warren McClendon and Kevin Dotson. The quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett, and Zach Evans. Kind of all make sense. The Rams had eight offensive linemen suited up for the game. The offensive line was actually better than expected, especially in the passing game. Go through some stats here for you, and you can catch them on the scroller there as well. Pass blocking grades for this group. Alaric Jackson, 88.5. Avila, 79.8. Shelton, 74.5. Noteboom 73.1, and Havenstein, 75.6. They gave up only five total pressures and one quarterback hit. Stafford kept clean all day, led to his monster game individually. Alaric Jackson, currently the third highest pass blocking grade in the league, 88.5. Still a game to be played on Monday night, though. So not bad for not a bad outing for this offensive line. the The run blocking grades also there on the scroller could have been better. Um, not what I expected. I thought it might have been flipped, but uh, I'm not going to complain about how this offensive line performed. A lot of promise and remember a lot of depth too. and they all played every snap. Compared to last year, what a change, and this is something the experts overlook. They talk about our offensive line. And they're really ignorant to the facts. Uh, but we know better, don't we? So how, how to go in the second half. The net yardage in the second half of this game, 257 yards for the Rams, 12 for the Seahawks. The Rams, only one team had more offensive yardage than them. The Dolphins, uh, only two teams with over 400, the Dolphins and the Rams. Now, who would have thought that? Now, if you had told me that before the game, that the Rams are going to accumulate that kind of yardage, I would have guessed the Rams would uh, amass about 150 yards rushing. thought a lot of it would come on the ground, especially against a Seahawk defense that historically has struggled against the run. But that was not the case. It was gunslinger mad all day long, and I'm okay with that. Go through some snap counts of note. What do we got here? Bryson Hopkins got out there for 23 snaps. So the Rams, uh, Sean McVay mixing it up a little bit with his tight ends. The wide receiver snap counts in order. Van Jefferson had the most, followed by Tutu and then Puka. Ben Skironik was out there for 21 snaps. Barely noticed it, but I guess he was out there. And Demarcus Robinson, just three snaps. Davis Allen had a snap. I also missed that, maybe in garbage time. Kyron Williams actually had almost twice as many snaps as Acres. Fifty-three to twenty-eight. Acres had the more carries, though twenty-two to fifteen. Acres getting a bunch in garbage time. So as I said yesterday, gonna really, <laughs> gonna really do some damage on his yards per carry. But hey, take him one for the team. Ball security—that's what it's all about at that point. On defense, Russ Yeast, Jordan Fuller, and Ernest Jones did not miss a snap. Uh, Michael Hoyt, Dar- Darion Kendrick, and Witherspoon. You notice how I avoid saying his first name. I struggle with that one. All missed just four snaps. Uh, Byron Young on the field for all but eight snaps. Uh, Van Valkenberg got out there for 11. And the defensive line rotation was really those six. Aaron Donald, Kobe Turner, Jonah Williams, Bobby Brown, Laurel Murchison, and Ernest Brown. And they did a pretty good job. Didn't bring a lot of pressure when they had the three men out there. Uh, But when they were able to get into some stunts later on in the game, that seemed to work for them. Pretty good defending the rush up the middle. Uh, I think our concerns about the defensive line may have been a little overstated. But, hey, there's a long way to go. We'll see how they hold up. Quentin Lake was out there for three snaps. John Johnson for zero. What's my takeaway on that? My takeaway is that John Johnson is just an insurance uh, policy for Jordan Fuller and Russ Yeast. Uh, That's not what I expected, but Russ Yeast playing really well. I'd love to see his pro football focus grades. And uh, it tells me that maybe the Rams early on in training camp saw that some of these undrafted rookie free agents that they brought in that we all loved, Quentin Johnson, Rashad Torrance, and so on, maybe they were not as thrilled as we were and brought in brought in John Johnson to uh, help solidify that group.
2: What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305.
0: Now, uh, pressures. Byron Young and Aaron Donald both led the way with five apiece. I think there's some holes in Byron's Byron Young's game at this point, especially sealing the edge. Paul Wallier was saying his hand usage leaves something to be desired, but still very promising. He looks the part physically, just needs to work on some technique and, uh, you know, seal on that edge in crucial situations. I didn't say anything about the announcers, and I usually do. Now, this is not one of the better announcing crews, but... You know, Mark Sanchez, he talks too much. Kind of, it just has too much to say. Sometimes you just got to be quiet and let the crowd, let the let the viewers uh, ingest everything that's happening. But he did have a couple of good lines, uh, unhitch the wagon line, uh, when Matthew Stafford went on that run. And I also like the fact that he pointed out, and it's so true, he said that he could be. Um, Mistaken for Puka Nakua's dad, and some people have pointed that out. That's pretty funny. If you go look at both their pictures, spot on. They look like they're related, uh, very similar. Um, so hey, Mark Sanchez, maybe you'll uh, be treating Puka Nakua really well in future telecasts. How about that? And the way the way Puka played, he's not going to need any favors. That was a great performance. I can't wait to see what he brings next week against a really tough 49er defense. It's going to be really interesting. Speaking of the 49ers, 49ers open up as seven-point favorites. Could easily be more, and it probably will go up. I think uh, the public is going to be all over the 49ers, and for good reason. They were really impressive. The Rams, I, I think it's probably going to be more of a case of the Seahawks being dinged for not being prepared and having some guys out late in the game. Maybe the Rams just did a good job of taking advantage of that. And that's okay. I get it. Uh, I I don't really – I'm not going to implore anybody to go out and put a bunch of money on the Rams and seven points over the 49ers at this point. But uh, I still am hopeful that the Rams can make this game competitive. That's about all we can ask for at this point. I want this team to get to two and three, really. I just want them to get two and three through these first five games and I'll be happy. So they need to find one more win uh, over these next four and then the schedule eases up a little bit. We get Cooper Cup back, Cooper Cup back uh, and uh, we'll be good. Did I almost say Puka Cup? I think I did. So 49ers favored by seven. The over/under is 42. Let's do some algebra here. Dust off the webs. Uh, what would this? What are the? Uh, what's the? Um, the odds maker saying this score is going to be? Uh, we go x plus x minus seven equals 42. 2x equals 35, x equals 17.5. If you don't follow along, don't worry. Uh, I gotcha. They're predicting the score something uh, along the lines of 24 to 17. A one score game, basically. Seven point odds. I'll take that. Uh, Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Rams got the ball uh, down by three? Went down and, and scored. And then um, A.D. takes the field against Brock Purdy, trying to shut them down at the end of the game. Oh, that would be glorious one more time, watching the 49er fans flood out of the the Coliseum, flood out of SoFi, we can only hope. Next up, I got something to say about some of these experts giving gambling advice, betting advice related to the Rams, and then a little bit about Pac-12 quarterbacks. I'm going to go on a little rant here about some gambling sites. My special assistant sent me some audio clips from various gambling advisory podcasts. Is that what we call them? Guys give an advice on how to bet on the Rams in this case, and it was fairly comical. I'm not going to call any of them out by name. They don't deserve the attention. One of them made a point of talking about How the Rams always struggle in Seattle. Yeah, that's right. The Rams always have trouble up there, so yet another reason not to bet on them, in addition to the fact that apparently they suck. Same podcast, different episode. They talked extensively about how the Rams and the Cardinals might be the two worst teams in the league and that the Seahawks are going to get four automatic wins there thanks to those two teams. Now, I'm okay with homers like myself, saying the Rams are going to get automatic wins here or there. But you know what I am. You know where I'm coming from. Now these guys, so-called gambling experts, that's how they present themselves, and they're going to make comments like this. It's just really irresponsible. There are really no or very few automatic wins in the NFL, and thinking that Seattle's going to get two automatic wins against the Rams just is... Not paying attention to the history between these two teams, even as recently last year when the depleted Rams played the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle into overtime, and there were actually seven or eight clips that uh, Matt sent me regarding these gambling sites, and it was just over and over again talking about how horrible the Rams are going to be. Okay, well... We'll have to be monitoring their sites and see if they have a different tune. Now, I can understand, you know, them having, you know, reservations about betting on the Rams, uh, but say it the way it should be said. If you're an expert, act like an expert to characterize the Rams in that way is just just really stupid. And I wanted to talk real quickly about the Pac-12, 21-4 and as we speak, I suspect they're going to go 10 and 1 next week. USC has a bye. They have one loss within the conference. Of those four losses, one within the conference, one on the road against Mississippi State in overtime, and two at home, one against Oklahoma State, one against Auburn. Pretty Respectable, I would say, currently eight Pac-12 teams in the AP Top 25, seven in the Coaches Poll Top 25, and what about the Pac-12 quarterbacks? Everybody's talking about tanking for Caleb Williams. You know, you know, if Michael Penix is the booby prize, I might be okay with that. Even Bo Nix. Dante Moore is just a freshman. In a couple years, he will be the hot item. Shador Sanders, he's a junior in Colorado. Not sure if he's going to get NFL love, but he probably will. Cameron Rising, DJ Ugalelli, the transfer from Clemson to Oregon State, originally from Riverside. What'd you go to Clemson for, DJ? Back at a school that runs a pro-type offense, so that'll elevate his draft status. Cameron Ward, the second at Washington State. He's another guy that's draftable, I think. The 2024 quarterback draft rankings right now, four of the top five out of the Pac-12. Caleb Williams is one. Drake May, the one non-Pac-12 quarterback, is two. Bo Nix, three. Shador Sanders, four. Michael Penix, five. So they're giving Sanders more love than Penix. I would probably flip those two as far as running an NFL pro-style offense and Cameron Ward, Cameron Rising, and DJ Ugalele, all draftable as well. And did you hear Caleb Williams' dad? Something to think about. He's talking about where his son could get drafted, and if he gets drafted somewhere, he's not happy. Some place that is going to be bad for his career. And he mentioned Kyler Murray and where Kyler Murray is playing. And a couple of these quarterbacks that got drafted by the Browns. And he's suggesting that Caleb could just return to USC for another year or just sit out and wait till next year's draft where he would be re-entered. And keep in mind, if he returns for another year at USC, they estimate his name, image, and likeness value would be north of $2 million, close to $3 million a year. Now that's a, a trickle of money compared to what he'd make in the NFL but he will have some cash flow if he returns to USC. So something to think about. I suspect with Cliff Kingsbury at USC, Caleb Williams' dad would love to somehow find his way to the Los Angeles Rams and be Matthew Stafford's heir apparent. But the way Matthew Stafford played against Seattle, maybe we're not quite ready for Caleb maybe we'll be ready for our next quarterback two years out. But then get someone like Caleb or even Michael Penix on board. Let him sit for a year. I think Caleb Williams is a pipe dream, to be honest with you. But Bo Nix, Michael Penix, a couple of these other guys could be real targets for the Rams next year. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.
2: Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamahama. It's your legacy. Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305.